Thank you for listening to audio from Dimmon Avenue Baptist Church, 224 Student Ministries. For more information about Dimmon Avenue Baptist Church, check out our website at www.dabconline.org. Hey, so we're in Luke's Gospel, in case you've been sleeping under a rock or you're new here. And if you haven't read Luke, then uh, I'm disappointed in you, all right? Unless you're new, you're off the hook. But look, uh, how many of you got a chance to read some more in Luke this week? Show of hands. Anybody? Some honest people. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, look, don't be ashamed if you didn't. I just want to encourage you, read it, man. And if you want to download the ESV Audio Bible, I can get you that resource. Sometimes I just play that in my car when I'm driving around so that I can hear it or I listen to it. You know, I just, I I would encourage you, have God's Word washing over you all the time. And uh, they have other versions that don't have, like, sometimes creepy voices in them. Um, But, uh, like, I know it's like that. All right, I'll be honest. But um, it's a really big passage, and I didn't want to put anybody up here, like, fumbling and stumbling. So, um, but hey, if you're ambitious and you want to read a big chapter of Luke, you just come tell me, okay? But we're looking at Luke's gospel. The theme is Jesus over everything, all right? And we made that pretty clear as we've gone through this. Tonight, we're going to see in these 40 verses that we heard read, um, and I've titled the sermon, we're going to see some lowly people. And what I mean by lowly is some humble, some uh, um, not so likely characters, and then the holy. We're going to talk about Jesus. So I've na- I titled this sermon, The Lowly and the Holy. Now, before we do what we're going to talk about, is a thing called theology, all right? And listen, everybody has a theology um, of some sort of something. A theology of God, however, is this. Um, It's the study and the nature of God and who he is, and it is um, religious belief also can be thrown under there, right? And so why am I bringing up theology? You're like, dude, it's the end of the school year. I'm cramming for finals, and the last thing I need is another lesson. You're wrong. Listen, you do need this. Because I'm telling you, even the way you learn other things outside of the Bible, the Bible should influence that. Like, if you will build a, if you will be theologians, right, which are people who study theology, if you would study and get after God's Word and meditate on it and think about it, I'm telling you, you would do well. Your life would go better. You would have grace and peace. I promise these things. I'm telling you, the Word is powerful. And so, true disciples grow in these type of ways. Now, the reason why I'm asking you to fill out that survey for discipleship is because come this fall, you're good, don't worry about it, come this fall, um, we're going to start Disciple 6 groups, which is literally you saying, hey, above everything else I'm doing, I'm committed to following Jesus. That means I'm going to take an hour, 35 out of the 52 weeks of the year, and I'm going to submit myself to a leader who will pour into me, and I will memorize God's Word, and I will study the Scriptures that week before my homework because I value this more than I do Jesus, or excuse me, I value Jesus more than I do the rest of my life. And then you'll commit to that hour with you and another student possibly, but especially an adult, groups no bigger than four people. And you'll say, hey, I'm not going to let you guys down. I'm committed to this. That's what's coming in August. And so I'm preaching in such a way to point you in that. Everything we're going to do this summer is if you're serious about following Jesus, then you need to be plugging into these eventual groups. And one of the things we're going to do is teach you. And you're going to learn. And so I want to do that tonight. We're going to cover these two topics quickly at the beginning of the sermon. But they're so good. Because what we saw in the story is the incarnation and the hypostatic union. Now, those are big words. We're going to explain them in a minute. That being said, um, like, you know, ultimately the theme is that God is in the business of using unlikely, lowly people to do incredible things, such as birth God, right? And, and as we saw in the story, tell people about God and other things like that. Um, but ultimately, tonight's about, about our God being holy. So um, that being said, let's pray, right, again. But this time, I want to challenge you. I hope you've been praying this whole time. But if you haven't, this is your chance in silence to engage God, okay? 
God is holy, but, but we're told in Scripture to pray to Him. And even though we shouldn't, we have the right to pray because of Jesus. And so if you're a believer tonight, lift up your prayer. If you're not a believer, lift up a prayer. But here's one maybe challenge you to pray. God, make me teachable. Right? God, in this busy season where I've just been taught a whole bunch lately at school and I'm ready for summer, make me teachable again right now. If you'll pray that, I'm going to pray after and then we'll get started. So let's do that now. Let's bow our hearts and pray. The of formality sometimes, God, we admit that. God, some of us don't even know how to pray, Lord. We, we, prayer, what is that? God, some of us, Lord, we just could just have some serious conversation with you. God, we're all over the place tonight, Lord, and you know that and you know us, and yet you're still here, God. You're faithful. Lord, I, I, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would, would, would just wake up some of these students in here and some of these adults in here, Lord. Wake us up in such a way that we breathe deep tonight the scriptures, that we get after your word because it's truth. It can change us. It can help us. It can heal us, Lord. Please give your, your people a passion for your word tonight, Lord. May this be an exciting and a cool time where we get to learn together, Lord. May we grow together. God, when we respond together in prayer around, in groups around this place, God, after this, may it be real. Not fake, not, not some church game, Lord, but downright honest confession before other broken people that we need Jesus. God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to do that type of work. I believe you can. You're faithful, God. You're a good, good father. Lord, we could sing all night about how great you are. Father, if there's somebody here who does not understand that you're in the business of saving, that they haven't been saved, they have not um, repented of their sins initially and, and began the process of a lifetime of repentance to follow you, God, may tonight be the night that you bring that one, Lord, the one sheep back to the fold. Father, I, I love you, God, and I thank you for just using a broken man like myself, and I pray in this time you would speak very clearly um, your scripture, your word, and what you would communicate. We are so thankful that Jesus came to this world and lived a life that we could never live, dying the death that we deserve. We thank you for his glorious resurrection and his imminent return. Give us boldness, God, to live according to his commandments until he returns. Father, equip us now. We pray these things in your will, in your name, Jesus, all together, Lord. Amen. So we're in Luke 2, and we're starting with theology. And listen, here's what I want to tell you. Merry Christmas. All right? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas in June. You're like, what is June, dude? No, it's not even close. Yes, we just read about what would normally be preached during Christmas time. And uh, here's what I want you to realize. May this sermon, I think it will be, and what we're about to talk about, I hope that it begins to save you and change you and remove this stupid concept that our culture believes, okay? And that is that Christmas is about awesome decorations, eggnog, fun, cold, um, gifts, buying things, right? Like starting come July and, and even as early and as July and August, you're going to be hearing about Christmas. Commercialism is just going to be putting you, why? Because their goal is, is it ain't about the baby. It ain't about this baby that we just heard read about. It ain't about Jesus. It's about people's agenda. And here, what I'm hoping is, is that I can tell you Merry Christmas. See, I love, I love that I'm getting to preach about the incarnation and the birth of Jesus and it's not December, Right? Like, it seems like the only time we visit that is around that time. And listen, the good news that Jesus came to us is good year-round, right? I hope so. But here's the goal. We're trying to get away from this and realize that the Xmas is not true. Christ is the reason for Christmas, and we can celebrate that right now in June. And it starts by this big word. Everybody say, incarnation. Look at you little theologians. Man, you're going to be so smart by the end of this. 
Um, this is what this word means and why I'm telling you about it, okay? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's John chapter 1. John talks about the word of God, okay? He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. It was with God. And then a little bit further down in verse 14, as I just said, the word became flesh. God became flesh. Let me tell you something. Every one of y'all have a heavenly problem. Every person you know has a heavenly-like problem in their lives. And what I mean by that is a very big God-like problem of evil. We are all broken and messed up, and we try to fix that heavenly God problem with earthly solutions. Okay, everybody's doing this. Everyone. From the non-religious, right? So say somebody who, who does not ascribe to any religion. They only follow their own thinking, their own thoughts. Maybe that's atheistic. Maybe that's uh, pantheistic. Maybe that's uh, monotheistic and it's not God. It's some kind of deep, whatever they would say. They think it's deep following. Maybe it's that non-religious person. Let me tell you, that non-religious person even is trying to fill a void in their life, okay? Through what they read, study, do, think about eat the way they carry themselves. We're all trying to fill in us a problem, okay? And also, um, the religious person. So every other religion, let's step out of Christianity, every other world religion has this same issue that, that we feel like there's a heavenly-sized problem. And let me make that clearer. Like, that problem is sin, okay? There's no one, if you have a serious conversation with a person, there's no one that's going to really be able to argue that there's no problem with people. We got a problem, Right? I mean, we hurt each other, we kill each other, we have nations fighting one another. Um, on an individual basis, you take any family, they're all dysfunctional, right? And the ones that act like they're not, they're probably the most messed up, right? And so we live in a world right now where there's this problem. And there are lots of, um, really, if I could give you a, a picture about what other religions do, is imagine that g there's this mountain, and on the top of it is, is the truth, right? Is either uh, God, um, a God, you know, multiple gods, d divine revelation, nirvana, you name it, whatever. But all, all world religions and all ideas are we need to try to climb the mountain. We do our best to get to the top of it, right? And so that means maybe we do some good things. If we do enough good things and they outweigh the bad things, then we reach the top of the mountain, right? We become God or um, we, we can be with God or whatever it may be. And even people who claim to be Christians but instead of having a relationship with Jesus, they do things. That same concept is also a lie. They're trying to get to the top. And that's what every, every single worldview and religion outside of um, Christianity, true Christianity is. But true Christianity is God comes off the mountain to us, right? God comes off the mountain and he comes to us. Jesus was sent by God to man. This is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful concept. It's called the Incarnation. And it's in this text. So look in your Bibles, right? Luke 2, um, verse 4, said that, that Mary and Joseph are of the house of David, the lineage of David. Listen to me. David was a king in the Bible, a good king. And God told this king, David, hey, there's going to be a, a descendant of yours who's going to reign on the throne. And this dude is going to have a reign that never ends. Guess who that is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Verse 11 said... Um, if you look at it, that there's a Savior, the Christ, the angel's good news as he gave it to the shepherd in verse 11. He said that um, in the city of David, a baby is born who is Christ the Lord. Listen to me. Jesus is the King of kings and the Messiah. He's the Savior. 
He's the, he's the answer of how to get to the top of the mountain, right, to fix the problem of sin. It's Jesus, and he came to us as a Savior. Look at verse 21. Um, it said that he would be named Jesus, as the angel called it. And the name Jesus actually means God saves, Yahweh provides. Salvation is in Yahweh. Man, this is, is the truth. Verse 26 said that um, it was uh, Simeon's words about Jesus. And he said that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. Okay, this, this old dude. He, he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. And, and that means that Jesus is God's appointed son for salvation. Verse 38, right? Towards the end of our text tonight. Called Jesus the Redeemer, right? This prophet, uh, prophetess, a lady named Anna from the tribe of Asher, um, was, it, it, she says that Jesus is the one who's going to redeem all people, all the chosen children of God. This is awesome, okay? It's called the incarnation. Now, a way for me to, a way to explain incarnation is a real fancy word. Everybody say hypostatic union. Ooh, right? It's good. Let me tell you simply, this looks difficult, but the hypostatic union is this concept. Check this out. Jesus, when he left God and came to the world, um, he did not become less God. Okay? It wasn't like Jesus was 50% God, 50% man. Okay? What the hypostatic union means is, is that Jesus was 100% both. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He was 100% divine and he was 100% human nature. Okay? It can be said even like this. God added humanity to himself in Jesus. Right? Jesus existed with God from the beginning of the world. The beginning of the foundations of the world. Jesus, the second member of God's trinity, was there. And listen to me. This is awesome. Jesus is physically in heaven now at the right hand of God. He is an actual person that you could have laid your hands on. And the disciples did just that. So to help you quickly, like real quick, to kind of show you, because that's crazy, right? Like he's God and man. Here's some scriptures that show you and then some things. Jesus was God, and this is how we know it, because he is worshipped. People worship Jesus in the Bible. He's prayed to, right? You don't pray to anyone but God, and so the Bible says, so Jesus was prayed to. He's sinless, like Jesus never sinned. He's, he, he knows all things. He gives eternal life. All the fullness of deity, that is, all of God's godness was pleased to dwell in Jesus bodily. That's what Colossians 2 says. Secondly, over here, Jesus as a man... Um, not only was he divine, he was 100% a human. And the fact that what? He worshiped God, right? He prayed to the Father. He was tempted. Now, he didn't sin, but he was tempted, just like we're tempted, y'all. He grew in wisdom, right? That's from our chapter. He died, right? Romans 5.8 says that he died for us. Um, he, he has a body of flesh and bones. And as I said, after his resurrection, he's in heaven now. Now, look, here's what you're asking, because you're swimming, right? What does all this mean for us? What's the point of talking about these things? This is what the point is. Jesus understands every situation of every person in this room. Okay, just think about that. Jesus knows and thinks, as God, he knows every single person's situation here. Okay? He knows your thoughts today and yesterday. He knows you're going to think tomorrow and do. And and, and he functions for those who will, who will accept him and, 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 and change as our prophet, our priest, and our king. Now, I shared this with you last week. I want to share it with you briefly again. 
if Jesus is your Savior, then he's your prophet. And this is what I mean. He has the right, being God and man, to come to you and to call you out about sin. Remember that problem we talked about? That we all had this huge issue, a God-like hole, and we're trying to fill it with everything else? Jesus comes and says, stop filling that with lust. Stop filling that with desires of the flesh. Stop filling that with approval of others and seeking first your kingdom and your plan. Right? Jesus comes as our prophet calling us out, and that hurts. But he's also our priest. He's our priest. Check out this scripture. In Hebrews it says, Jesus, talking about he here, therefore he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Propitiation, big word, right? All it means is is that God takes our place. When we should die for our sin, Jesus takes our place in dying for our sin. And so what we see, though, there is it said he's our high priest. Jesus is, a, he needs to be your priest. If he's your savior, he needs to be your priest also. Not just somebody who calls you out and makes you feel bad all the time, but your priest. Because what did a priest do? A priest would sacrifice an animal. That animal represented all the things we would do to try to fill the God hole. And, and when that animal died, its blood was spilled, and it was a violent process showing that God has wrath against sin. And that, that animal dying for, uh, in our replacement was what the priest would do. Now listen, Jesus is a good high priest because he doesn't take an animal for us. He becomes the sacrifice. His body is slit. His blood is poured out. He dies on the cross so that we may live. And then he rises from the grave, and now he's our faithful high priest who can save us from our sins. You see, Jesus has to be your priest, prophet, priest. And listen, lastly, your king. Your king. And if Jesus is your king, that means that it truly is Jesus over everything. That he is what you live for. You obey his commandments, right? You follow him. You repent when you don't follow him and you come back to his ways. Amen. This, this is the truth. And so I wanted to take a moment and show you what this, what, how important it is that Jesus came as a baby. You know, one of my favorite things, and I'll finish with this and move on, is it says that he himself has suffered when tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. I know there's believers in this room tonight that, look, you had a hard time worshiping in those three songs, and you're having a harder time maybe even paying attention. I don't know. Maybe you're eat up with conviction. Maybe you're hiding. And, and because you failed in some tempting ways. Like, look, I've sat where you sat. I still am. I'm there. And it is encouraging to me as a believer to know that my Jesus was tempted with the very sins that I struggle and still fail in, and yet he never failed. Jesus was tempted in the same ways we were, and yet he was perfect. And now that means that he's the one who's able to help those who are being tempted. So look, take heart. The incarnation, the hypostatic union, God and man, God being fully uh, God and man in Jesus, this is hopeful. This is great hope for you. I think the rest of the sermon will convince you of that. So we had some characters show up, though, right? And, and they were the lowly. And this is not what they look like. I just, this is close, probably. But you heard it was Joseph and Mary, and they're the ones, obviously, who are the parents of Jesus. The shepherds received the messages we saw in the story. We saw Simeon was that old dude um, who's, like, living up in the, you know, temple all the time. And he just grabs their baby, right? Like, dude, you know those old people that just grab your baby all the time? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. But it's a struggle, okay? Trust me. You know, uh, he, that dude. And then Anna, you know, our 84-year-old 
um, super prophetess who's uh, preaching the truth. So this is our, our lowly bunch, all right? And I want to take you through um, some things about them. And listen, what we're, the reason why we're studying them, and, and there's many things we could pull from, from this, this text we studied. That's why I sent you the link I did, because I want you to go listen to the sermon that will really zoom in on some things I couldn't cover, all right? But, but what we're, the reason why we're looking at this and pairing it with the, the belief of Jesus came is because God has a way of using the unwise, the simple, to shame what, what should have been done. Like, like the way we think is God should do this, this, and this. And God says, no, I work this way. And I'm pleased to use humble, lowly servants. You see, these people understood Jesus as Lord. We can, we can draw conclusions from, from what the, the way they act, and I'll show you. To, to, and they, they become a great example for us for how we can live life. So that being said, the first point I kind of want you to get is the lowly, lowly people are chosen by God because of their humility. We're going to do three of these points. The lowly are chosen by God because of their humility. Now, what that means, humility means being humble, right? Being um, willing to let God have his way instead of you having your way. All right? And so let's, let's talk about them, right? First up, Joseph and Mary. Uh, Joseph and Mary, if you see from the beginning of, of this story, if you've been paying attention in Luke, and if not, listen, go back and get those podcasts, all right? You can listen to those. Um, but listen, what's cool is, is they truthfully are nobodies. They're from this little podunk town called Nazareth. They're not the super Jew, right? They would be serving in Jerusalem, the awesome high priest. If you think God would come um, through a people, you probably would not pick Joseph and Mary. But look, here's what I love about them. They have been humble from the start. They've been willing to listen to God and to do what he said. The shepherds, the shepherds, let me tell you about shepherds. Back in this day, shepherding um, flocks was one of the lowest jobs you could have, right? It was like bottom of the totem pole, like dead-end job. Most of the time, they, didn't even, they weren't even allowed to vote. They weren't allowed to do other things because of the way they fell in a class system. And so for God to show up with angels and a message to these guys is, is crazy. But there's a, there must have been a humility in these men's lives that they're the ones that God comes to to give this message. Okay, thirdly, our guy Simeon, right? Um, this is that old dude you saw if you, over there in the end of the chapter. He's um, been in the temple. He's respected. He's, he's a man of God. But look, let me be honest with you. I think he's kind of like, like that old dude that we all know that's in church who's like really hyper spiritual. If you've been around church at all, like it's the guy who like, you know, He's always, like, quoting scripture, and, like, I can think of a couple at Dimmon that I, that I love. But it's just that guy that kind of makes you uncomfortable, but you like being around him at the same time, you know what I mean? Because he's, like, all about Jesus, but, like, all the time, and you're, you're like, not at that level, maybe. I don't know if you've had that experience, but, but I have. I think that's Simeon in a, in a, in a bit, and, and he's always going on about what God's revealed to him, right? And, man, this guy has given his whole life to worship God. Right? He's, rena- he's renowned among the, among the temple, among the synagogue, at church. He's humble. Uh, probably my favorite is, is Anna, um, a lady who her husband died. And, and, she, and instead of remarrying and seeking uh, you know, her own plan, she, she turned to God and said, God, in this hard time, what's your plan? And God said, serve me. And she did that until she was 84. <laughs> she just said, I'm going to love and serve God, and he can have his way in me. And she's humble. The road to a relationship with Christ is a road of humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
That's 1 Peter chapter 5. Here's my challenge from this. My concern is, is that we in the church are, are, are struggling to be a humble people. Right? We fall victim, and I know you do in school as well, to the thought of be the best, do the best, I can do it, right? And that bleeds into our spiritual walk. And we don't, we don't, we don't follow God in humility. We, instead, we get proud sometimes. Like we get proud about our test scores. Like they mean something in the kingdom. Like we get proud about our starting spot. Like that's going to earn us something in the kingdom of God. Like we get sinfully proud about, about the fact that, we're, that they're going to actually consider dating me. What? That's awesome. Like we just, we just get puffed up. And it says in the scripture, God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Look, there was a lot of prideful people in this day and time that thought they would have been the ones that God would have chosen. And God said, no, I'm going to use all of these unlikely characters. Now, am I saying those things are bad? No, I'm saying pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And some of us need to embrace that. Second thing we see here is these lowly folks is they obey God's commands no matter the situation, okay? They obey God's commands no matter the situation. Joseph and Mary obey God in every way that they're told so far, okay? Listen, even Joseph, the dude, if we learn, we learn from Matthew's gospel that when Mary uh, was pregnant, he, like, was thinking about and planning to divorce her quietly. And the angel showed up and said, look, don't do that. This baby, it's not, she hasn't cheated on you. The Holy Spirit has conceived this child. And Joseph obeys them. Mary, without, a, without even a question in her heart, says, okay, you want to use me? No matter what happens to me, I will, I, will, I will be obedient to the task you've called me to. They obeyed God. The shepherds, what do they do, right? Like the angels show up, oh, right, crazy moment. And then afterwards, they look to each other, and they don't say, well, that was cool. Hey, man, go take care of that sheep over there. That is not what happened. What happened? Immediately, they turned to each other and said, let's go. We got to go check this out. This is epic, right? Like, we need to obey. Without a doubt, they go. Um, Simeon, right? He is the old dude. He's a, a righteous and a devout man of God. It said that he was filled with the Spirit, okay? This dude rolled with God for years and years and years. And he heard God speak to him and say, you're going to get to see Jesus. You're going to see the Christ before you die. And the dude believed it. He obeyed. And so he lived his whole life. Off of one promise, he obeyed the rest of his life. And therefore, he was blessed in a bunch of things. And that promise came true. Why? He obeyed. Anna, okay, a widow. She listened to God's call on her life. And then she served God for years. Here's what I'm getting at. True followers obey Christ. They obey Christ. Man, think about it like this, okay? I teach it like this. And Jesus hides himself behind obedience. Okay, think about that. Jesus hides himself behind obedience. This is what I mean. If you make a profession of faith, God saves you. You had to take the time to speak that. That took courage. If you, you have to walk an aisle. Maybe it's short, maybe it's long, right? Maybe you have to approach a mom and dad and say, hey, something ain't right. Need prayer. I don't know where your story is. Maybe tonight's the night where you need to do this. But when you make a move toward God as he calls you and you obey him, what happens to a lost soul? It gets saved. Jesus reveals himself. It's like Jesus reveals himself in such a way and he says, hey, yeah, your confession's true. I forgive you. I love you. I'm yours. And listen, that's step one. 
I don't know where we got off teaching you and where, I, where, where people got off teaching me that, that it's all about that one decision and that's it. That's ridiculous, okay? I know God did something when I was nine, but I think he started my salvation because my God has spoken that he is saving me and saves me and forgives me daily. He set up many, many, many places after that interaction then where I had opportunities to obey him. And look, if you will take the time to listen to God and then do what he says, this is simple, okay, I'm warning you, you will get more of Jesus. One of my favorite scriptures is John 14, 21. It says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. This is Jesus' words, okay? He it is who loves me, and he will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If you want more of Jesus in your life, and you want less of your addictions and your struggles and, and what your pupils think of you and just all of this stress, right, and the things we carry, man, if you want less of that and you want more of Jesus, the answer is obedience. Whether that be the first act of obedience and saying, look, I'm a broken, messed up sinner and I need Jesus, he saves you. Every moment after that, obedience is what sets true followers of Christ apart. Are you obeying Christ no matter the situation? Are you obeying Christ no matter the situation. The third, the third and final point is this. Follow Jesus. Um, true lowly followers, they follow Jesus no matter the suffering. No matter the suffering. Okay, let me, let's get real. Joseph and Mary, who knows what they've been labeled, labeled by this point. But what we tell from the scriptures, um, the angels showed up to, to Mary. The angels showed up to Joseph. And beyond that, there was no divine revelation as to what this baby, where this baby came from. All right? Meaning, there's probably some people that are saying, hey, did you hear about Mary? She slept around. She got knocked up. I can't believe Joseph is still with her. That's ridiculous. Right? Like, who knows what people have said about them? Who knows? And not only that, they, they didn't just suffer because of that. Um, this ride that she's on, she's pregnant, like super pregnant, okay? Big pregnant. She's going to have the baby when she gets there. Where they're going to Bethlehem is over 100 miles, probably on a donkey, all right? This is some Sacagawea stuff, all right? I don't know if you know the story of Sacagawea. That, that girl just had a she's an Indian who led Lewis and Clark, and she was pregnant, and she literally, like, had the baby, and then the next day was, like, still leading them through the woods. Whoa, right? Like, this is some Sacagawea kind of stuff. Mary is, is, like, full pregnant, like, on a donkey in the wilderness, suffering, and yet, She's pleased to do it. She's pleased to obey God no matter what. Joseph is pleased to obey God no matter what, no matter the suffering that they endure. Um, and they're going to remain faithful. They're going to show up in our story, and it's going to be awesome to see them remain faithful um, in God, even when their own son is killed, man. The shepherds, you know, they probably didn't own these sheep. More than likely, they were shepherding these sheep and, uh, or these flocks, um, and they were doing it for somebody else more than likely. And so... Immediately, they go, meaning they leave their flock. They could, they, they could be leaving their livelihood, their, their who knows what, right? Not only that, they, 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 they do it with great haste, no matter what it, what it may cost them. Our boy uh, Simeon, he devotes his whole life to God, and when he sees uh, Jesus, he embraces the real truth about, about, the, about the division that Jesus brings. See, I love what Simeon says because in the Scripture there, he looked at Mary and he said, this child is, is appointed for the fall and the rise of many. 
In other words, he started talking about the fact that Jesus is going to show up, and he's not just come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, when people choose to follow Jesus, it may cost them their family's approval. Jesus says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not pick up his cross daily and follow me is not worthy of me. The one that finds his life in this world will lose it. But the one who loses his life for my sake in the gospel will find it. See, he looked ahead in his, this old man did, and, and knew that this baby would cause great dissension. That, that even, but, but yet, people should be willing to follow, no matter the cost. He even looked at Mary and said, and a, and a, and a sword will pierce your heart. In other words, she's going to watch her own son be beaten, crucified, and nailed to a tree to save her very soul. And he's pointing that out to her. And so there's suffering that's present in this message. And the lowly people, they don't shy away from it. They don't shy away from it. Think about Anna, the last one here. Right? She embraced a lifetime of singleness. She lost a husband. Somebody that, that she could count on, wake up in the morning next to, like talk to, enjoy their company. And she lost them. And instead of blaming and cursing God, and, and she turned to God. And God had her be single the rest of her days in ministry. You know that had to cost her. She's, a, she's truly a woman that, that understands Jesus over everything. When you suffer for the gospel, there's always great joy. But let me ask you this. Are you willing to suffer, students? Are you willing to suffer? You see, some of you, you're not suffering for the gospel because we don't open our mouths enough. We don't preach the truth enough. Listen to me, it's not too late to start. It's not too late to be serious about following Jesus in such a way that it costs you something. Maybe I should say it like this. Don't just hashtag it on Twitter. Don't just post about it on Facebook or Snapchat about it um, on, your, on your timeline or whatever the junk Snapchat does. Like, don't just be about it in places where it's easy and safe and you can hide it. Be about following Jesus on the court, in the classroom, in the theater building, at your home, at your job. Like, where are the people that are going to rise up? And, and, and even though they're poor, like, look, Joseph and Mary are suffering. They're supposed to present an offering to Jesus, and, and they, they have to present a turtle dove, two, two pigeons, two turtle doves or two pigeons. That was what people had to do when they were really poor. They are supposed to do a firstborn lamb. But that's all they had. Like, like, it cost them. The shepherds, Simeon, Anna, it cost these people. You can read through the whole Bible and see that following God will cost you everything. I don't know where we got off telling people that it's just roses and happiness and always awesome after you commit to following Jesus. It'll be hard. People will hate you. People will mock you and make fun of you. You may lose everything. Like, literally everything. But there is great joy in Jesus. The joy of salvation will not and cannot be stolen from those who are truly followers of him. Are you willing to suffer like that? Does your faith, is it bringing suffering like that? Because if it's not, listen to me, it may not be authentic faith. And I, and I'm, I love you enough to tell you that because a day is coming when, when we will face persecution. And many, many, many people in the church will fall away. Is that you? Is that you? Learn from these people. Lowly people are humble people. They're willing to obey, and they're willing to suffer for that obedience. 
Here's the invitation tonight. All these people represent this person, Jesus, this baby who grew up to be a man. In verses uh, um, 39, 39 and 40, I want to throw it up here for you. It finishes with this. It says, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. And check this out. Jesus, he's a Jew, and so he, he is under the law, but he's actually going to fulfill the law. The only person that actually can. That was free. They returned into Galilee. They went to their own hometown of Nazareth, right? Small town Nazareth. And Jesus grew. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. I want to show you this because, because it's going to set up really cool next week of how we see uh, preteen Jesus um, just do some, just, just be awesome. And, uh, and you'll be encouraged because some of you are at that same age. But, but what you need to see here is that the Holy Son of God grew up. He became strong. He was filled with wisdom. Right? God's favor was upon him. God's grace was in him. He was God. And so I wanted to bring this whole thing full circle in saying this. Um, God, God is holy and he's righteous and, and he never should have came to this earth, if we're just being honest. Like, he never should have came to buy you back. He never should have came for the church. You know why? Because, because the church, as St. Augustine said, is a whore. The church... The people of God, who God saves, are, are broken and messed up. This is us. We love sin. We love our name in the lights. So we'll do anything to put it there. We love our, our own plans. We take sex and we make it about us. Like what we can do with it. How, how, how we play with it and twist it and change it. We take wealth and money that should be used for God and we distort it. We spend it on things we never should have and then we take it from people that need it, right? We, we take the good gift of food and we overindulge in it and we, we overeat in it and it causes us to be unhealthy and full of disease. We take good gifts from God. We take created things and we worship them. We bow down to them while, while, while telling God, get out of here, we don't need you. We were never, ever deserving of God's infinite love. But that doesn't stop the gospel. It doesn't stop the story. You see, the Holy One, our Jesus, he, he came. He came, and he was willing to show up as the prophet and call you out. He was willing to lay it all down on the cross as the, the greatest high priest. He was willing to raise back to life. And he offers, you, he offers you a chance to follow him and to make him your king. To be able to say in your heart that it's Jesus over everything. You see, my question really kind of coming full circle with all this is, 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 are you humble? Are you willing to obey? Are you willing to suffer for that obedience? And, and is Jesus your prophet, your priest, and your king? Is this true of your life? Because even though we didn't deserve it, man, God was, God in his faithfulness, he's still saving people. And I believe he, I believe tonight even he's saving people. Like right now, who knows in the world? You know, sometimes we think salvation should be like the shepherds, right? Like we think it should be like this whole glorious moment, angels everywhere. And, and, and look, not everyone, very rare do people get that. You know what people mostly get? Shepherds. That's what they get. 
They get Wednesday nights, May 18th, we're really busy, and I showed up and I was not ready for God to save me. That's what they get. That's what we get. And why does God work like that? Because, because he became a man. He became sin. He came into the world to show us how it was lived. And then he gives us the task of sharing that with others. And that's how God is pleased to save people. Now, I'm not saying God won't show up to some of you who are lost in here and in a radical way meet you in a dream or, or even physically. I'm not saying he won't do that because I'm not going to limit my God. But what I know is, is that so many times we make salvation this big, ha-ha, woo, awesome moment instead of realizing that it is awesome, but the reason why it's awesome is because of our God. And God is pleased to show up in any way he so chooses, which means he may be showing up tonight. And so for this last 15 minutes, here's how we're going to close down, right? We're not going to sing a song. Last week, I had you break off into prayer groups. We're going to do that same thing similar now. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to pray for one another. I'm going to pray to close this. But when I do, um, when I say amen, sponsors, hear me out. And also college and senior, any of my senior leaders that I talk to about this, I want you to spread out. I really want you to spread out around this whole room, okay? Like get space. And then when I say amen, the way we're responding to the sermon tonight is, is I want, if you're a girl, to go find a girl. If you're a guy, go find one of these guys. And get in groups. Groups, they're probably going to be about two or three groups, two or three or four in a group. And, and I want you to pray, right? But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to just talk about things. I don't want you sponsors to just start, start teaching things. I want us to pray, if God is convicting you of sin, this is your chance to be honest and real. It's not your chance to hide and play games. It's your chance to look at your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and say, look, man, this is where I'm at. I, I viewed things this week I shouldn't have, and I'm guilty right now, and I feel like I need prayer for it. Now, I stole. I, I lied. I made this decision. I, 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 I chose my flesh here. I, I, I failed in this way. Or maybe it's, it's, hey, I have, God has just burdened me to do and to, and to share and to read and to, and to be obedient, but I haven't been obedient and I need prayer because of it and I'm broken because of it. Like, look, I know you showed up here as messed up as I am tonight and therefore you need a chance to be the church. So before I pray, let me, let me read this from Ephesians to you. This is a book we studied and I want to remind you of it. Um, in verse uh, 13 of the second chapter, it says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. I want you to see that because, look, if you show up to this group and you're not being honest and transparent, you're, ho you're being hostile. We need to believe what that scripture just said. You can show up right now and be honest about something, be prayed for about it, be healed, and that is God doing the work in his son that he sent of taking two totally messed up people and making us one in the spirit, making us a family. Like, what I want to see is I want to see band nerds and super jocks in groups 
actually being honest with each other, like not hiding because you're different. Like I want to see, see God tear down some dissensions, and I'm going to start every week. We're going to be praying, and that's what's going to be happening. You're going to have to engage each other. I'm so sick of us coming on Wednesdays and not engaging each other. And I want you to show up right now with an open heart. It just takes one. Listen to me, leader or student. It takes one person being authentic and real, and I promise you more people will follow. Be brave. Let me pray for you. And then um, while I'm praying, leaders, you know who you are. Please spread out to this, uh, spread out around this, and, and we'll do it. And then when, we, when, you finish, um, when you finish, please be respectful that other people may still be praying. Okay? Well, let's do it. Hey guys, Brother Wes here, Minister of Students at Dimmon Avenue Baptist Church. We want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. And we ask that you feel free to share, but in your sharing, please don't charge for those copies. Though these podcasts are helpful, they are not an adequate substitute for plugging into a local congregation near you. Go find a church near you and go and serve Jesus Christ alongside them. And may these podcasts equip you to do that better. Grace and peace to you through our Lord Jesus Christ.